Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris. The greater the void, the greater the value. That's the uh, blog I've written on innerwealth.com and uh, sent it across to the robot for my um, Spotify. Today we're on SoundCloud and I'm going to read it because I think it's really important for your benefit and for those who don't like the robot to really capture this one particular blog uh, all about voids and values, self-belief and self-reliance and accumulating evidence. Ready? So what's a void? A void is something missing. Uh, and the question might be, when was the first time you found something <laughs> missing? So science has proven that this experience of something missing or something or, or feeling takes place in the womb, probably in the last three months. And it's mostly chemical uh, because emotions are chemicals produced by the mum, but it's also, also vibratory. As you well know, the baby's heartbeat and the mother's heartbeat are synchronized um, and they remain synchronized for a period after birth. So. If mother's frightened or insecure or she's watching TV and there's something spooky on, that fear, that feeling transmits to the child. And the child would feel something. It might feel insecure, unprotected, unsafe, even um, if the mother was just watching TV or was got nothing to do with her real life. And repeat that chemical often enough um, and the child starts to develop what's called the void. And so it's thought that somewhere between the last three months in the womb and the first three years of life, we create voids, things missing. And that's what's most interesting about that is that we can have too much of something uh, and mean it, which, which would, you would think we would remember that we have too much and that's a positive, but the too much um, comes on the back end of the opposite of it, which means too little. So we get too much coddling, not enough freedom. Too much um, over-worry, not enough self-reliance, not enough independence. And so the not enough is what uh, we habitually and, and um, uh, in the DNA structure of our being, we seem to be able to recall the not enoughs much faster than the too muches. <laughs> so we end up having what's called voids. And so not all the things that you think, not all the things that you value have come from your own voids, but can be inherited from dads and mums. And so we move forward into life knowing that what we think is most missing, our voids, we search for. And that makes every single human life very, very different because you might find somebody searching to make a lot of money, to build their own house, um, to be uh, completely independent, all because they felt like when they were a child they had no power or they had no honesty. You know, when parents are uh, very stoic, the emotional honesty of the environment might be missing and so the, the, the person grows up feeling like they're being, that there's no safety, there's just structure. 
And so we create values out of voids. And these values become really important to us. In fact, they're so important that if one of them uh, gets broken, we start to beat ourselves up. And it's as a coach, this is something that I find really extraordinary. And, and the extraordinary part is this. If we're in a relationship with someone and that person crosses our values line, crosses over it, and we go, well, I'm in a relationship with that person. They've crossed over my values line. That's okay. And we give them leeway. We, we, they've, they've you know, made us feel insecure. They've crossed over our kindness wall or they've crossed over our cruelty or a pain barrier. We go, oh, that's okay. I'm in a relationship with you. But then we start to become insecure and doubtful. We doubt. We think we're the problem. We think that, um, and basically all it is is one of our values that we uh, treasure, these gifts of gold or the, the light of love has been crossed. And they're, they're different for everybody, these values. And when they get crossed, we start to beat ourselves up. And if we stay in the environment where it, those things remain, continue to be beaten up, we we start to believe that the value we have is wrong and we start to look for evidence that the value we have is wrong and and we find evidence so if someone lies to themselves let's say let's say tomorrow any of us wake up and said i'm useless let's just say trust this one we wake up and say someone in the house says you're bloody useless or you know who do you think you are you're useless they, they infer it and we go to bed thinking, geez, maybe I'm useless because they've crossed a value of ours and they've called us useless. We wake up in the morning and we go to put our slippers on and we can't find them. And you hear the words in the back of your head, I'm useless. And it's the same slippers you put on the day before and the same slippers you couldn't find the day before. But now you've got evidence that this lie is true. And so bit by bit, we accumulate evidence. This is evidentiary behavior. And soon, the source of the lie is forgotten, that it was your partner or someone at work or a friend or a partner or a brother or a sister or someone saying that. The source of it is forgotten. The evidence becomes the truth. And then people go to therapists with all the evidence that they've got. You know, this happened to me in my childhood. This happened to me in my last relationship. This is happening to me now. I don't feel right. And... And the therapist and counselling and psychologist work on the evidence. They don't work on the lie. And so we have a funny world, don't we? Because if someone confronts the lie, we'll get very, very agitated because the lie has become part of our identity and the evidence has become something that validates that identity. And when, when instead of looking for different evidence to contradict the lie, we look to solve the problems that are caused by the evidence. How come I'm not finding my slippers? Am I losing my mind? Am I, I'm so useless, I can't find my slippers. What sort of person am I? What sort of person would go out with a useless person? And then we go and have another beer and we go and have another pizza pie and we go and have another something or we get angry with people at work because this script that we're running comes from a lie. We're repeating it and we're finding evidence to prove it. This becomes 
uh, what we react to at work. So we go to work going, I'm not useless. I want to prove that I'm not. So we become a little overzealous in, um, in uh, let's say, doing things without getting any feedback. We, we, we grab the job and we do it and we deliver it without asking somebody, someone, what do you think? And so you can see this really uh, complex spider webs of evidentiary voids, evidentiary voids building up to become value. The early days of our childhood, there is no voids and values. Everybody is born exactly the same. But within a short period of time, voids are created and voids are felt and voids become the truth. And voids then seek evidence and then we get from that evidence values, which is seeking to prove them wrong, or seeking to find the opposite. And for every void that we fulfill with a value and every value that we achieve, we create two more goals. So it's not like we will one day find a certain amount of money to make us feel secure. What we'll do is we'll find money that we thought would make us feel secure, but as soon as we find enough money to make us feel secure, the definition of insecure grows, and now we're afraid of losing that amount of money, and we double it, we find two more goals out of every one goal achieved. Self-sufficiency in the work that I teach here is the core. It's, it's the single most important thing as a parent, as a partner, as a person in the world, as a leader at work, as, a, as, a, as an individual. And until such time as you can own your real values and defend those values in some way, make them sacred, until such time as that happens, the influence of people's opinion, the influence of a partner, the influence of people around you becomes excessive. And this codependence on people's uh, opinions and their thoughts and trying to fill up our voids and fulfill our values through other people's attachment to us becomes the opposite to self-sufficiency. It becomes codependency. Now, codependency to a certain degree is essential. We have to live in the world. We have to rely on other people to deliver the milk and there's a codependency. But when that codependency creeps into our voids and values and therefore becomes an emotive thing, that's toxic. It, this all leads to two very beautiful concepts that you may wish to consider. The first one is uh, denial, affirmation, visualization. You know that from the course that you've listened to this year on, uh, um, on, on uh, Spotify. You know that uh, we deny the negative, although we know it's there, we deny it. We affirm, we affirm the positive, we affirm what we want and we visualize. Now, an affirmation is simply this. An affirmation is, this is a lie. An affirmation is something we tell ourselves we don't have to believe it at first. But just like telling yourself something negative, like a void, which isn't the truth. A positive lie, an affirmation, seeks evidence of itself. And next thing you know, we have evidence that the thing we're saying we're capable of is true. And that affirmation becomes a new set of, let's say, self-fulfilling prophecies. And in the end, <coughs> self-sufficiency is relying on your affirmations <clears throat> and the self-talk that it generates and the 
evidence that comes as a consequence, relying on that to fuel your motivation, fuel your uh, uh, reward, fuel your instruction, fuel your self-talk for life. Now, there is nothing more important. All therapy, all counselling, all sociology, all psychology, all of it is about self-talk. What do you say to yourself? And so the first beautiful thing that comes from this idea of voids and value is the, the fact is you can, over, you can override the voids, override negative self-talk by injecting affirmations into your day, life and, and year. Injecting them. You can tell yourself a lie, you will believe it after a short period of time because you'll find evidence of it to be true. Now, if you're selling yourself something, an affirmation, but you're going, I don't believe in affirmations, see, it's not true, then that's a different topic. That's weak. That's lack of mental strength, lack of toughness. But if you say something and you believe it with emotive sincerity to yourself, I'm a genius, I'm a magnificent leader, I'm a powerful individual, I am a long-living, healthy being, I am a superhero, Whatever you want to say, if you keep saying it, you will gather evidence of it to be true. And therefore it becomes true, just like if you say the opposite. That's the first thing. The second and most magnificent thing about this is that self-sufficiency is the ability to be so um, respectful of your own voids and values that you can fill your own voids. And, and, and that's not sticking your finger up your bottom, but it, what it means is that you can, if you say, these are the things that I, that I believe are, were missing in my life, I will give them to myself. And I think this is the turning point in a person's life where we become self-sufficient. We learn how to... If there's things we feel are always missing, if you if you I, I, I lack security, you don't have to have money to feel secure. You have to be your own security blanket. It's like being a friend to yourself in some form or another and filling up your voids so that your values remain in place and you go in that direction. The third amazing thing about this, which I find astonishing, is no matter how many lies we tell ourselves, how many means and voids and um, emotional sidetracks we get evidence that are true about ourselves, our vision never changes. Our vision is not corrupted by our self-belief. So a person can still have a vision of themselves being an, a great singer or a leader in a business, even if they're diminished to the point of self-deprecation because lost hope. But the vision remains clean and in a good healthy vision setting process where it's very intimate and very personal and very uh, taken in, in a very, let's say, I couldn't fail mode, evidence of that vision remains immune from the influence of other people's belief about us and our own belief about ourselves. So that's an astonishing truth that we can hold a vision clean and then work out which of the voids and values are getting in the way and which are going to help us get there. Lastly, we treat people as we wish them to become. That is an inner wealth truth. That is a, a law of nature. That is a strict truth of inner wealth. We treat people as we wish them to become. We don't treat them as they are. 
we don't necessarily always treat them as they wish to become because sometimes people got this fantasy that when they become a, a, a jet fighter pilot, everything will be fixed. What we ask them for, what would it look like and feel like if it was all fixed, and then we treat them as that. We treat people as they wish to become. We, we treat people as we wish them to become in business. We treat people like that. But you can't do it unless you're self-sufficient, unless you're being honest with yourself about your voids and values. If we're treating people um, in order to get them to treat us in reciprocation so that we feel good about ourselves because we treated them good about themselves, then we're in this higgledy-piggledy mousetrap and that's where the, most of the world is running around in circles, trying to fix things, jumping on aeroplanes, going on holiday. The simple fact of the matter is this. When you become self-sufficient, you realize that you are the person who needs to fill your own voids. You need to be able to say to yourself, you're worthy of love. You need to be able to say to yourself, you're a champion without actually leaving the front door. You need to be able to say to yourself the good things about you that fill up those voids that you, you've inherited in the last three months in the womb and the first three years of life to fill them. And that's a never-ending, continuous, ever-evolving process. The way you do that is by taking any judgment you have on another human being that you meet or don't meet or any other human being you know or don't know. Take any judgment, just one a day, and process it through the discard form. Now, the discard form is the miracle. It's the miracle cure. But just like tickling yourself or just like doing open heart surgery on yourself, the last piece stitching it up, the last piece making yourself laugh, you need a coach. You need someone outside of you to know when to, when to put the red flag that's caused you to do the discard form to know when to put it away. Red flags pop up and we don't have to hold them up for hours and hours or weeks and weeks. We can say, red flag, made a judgment, sit down, little piece of notepad somewhere in the coffee shop, da-da-da-da, discard form, um, uh, where have I done that? What's the benefit to me? What's the benefit to others? Uh, what would be the drawback if they didn't do it? A little form like that or uh, disc discard form on the positive. Um, where have I done it? What's the drawback to me? What's the drawback to others? What would be the drawback if they did the opposite? What would be the benefit if they did the opposite? So the discard form is so quick and so easy to do. You can run through it in seconds. But the question is, did you get it finished? Did you get it to the point where it's done for done for it's a done deal? And the way you do that is in your coaching session say, Chris, I did a discard on the word hate. And I did this and I found out where I did it. These are all the times I did it. This is what I found was the benefit of it. This is what I found was the benefit of it. And this would be the drawback if I didn't do it. What do you think? And nudge it across the line. So those are the wonderful things that come along the realization that ultimately your ultimate void, the biggest void you have in your life becomes your life purpose. But you can't live your life purpose hoping someone else is going to come in and fill your void because that means giving to get. And that shifts when you become self-sufficient. Have a beautiful day. Bye for now.